0: minister in our in our area in the Carney area his name's tim stratton and uh um and he has a, he has an apologetics ministry and um and him and i've been friends for years he asked me to be an advisor for him um, make sure he's staying on the straight and narrow with with all that and um, it, it's good he um, yeah, consider him like a like a closet pentecostal right so <laughs> he he uh him and I we, we we talk a lot about about those types of things and uh he had a he had a testimony where um he went to uh, i don't know he was he was studying to be um to get his masters or or doctor I think it was his masters at that time in the area of apologetics and uh um and he had you know his son was um uh he had uh, i think it was diabetes or something like that and um and his son uh one day just didn't have diabetes. <laughs> and, uh, and it was like, oh, wow. And, but he, he was flying back from California, and he felt like um, the Lord talked to him about, hey, you're defending a supernatural God, and a supernatural God does supernatural things. And he's like, all right, all right, I will believe that you healed my son. <laughs> such, a, such a cool thing. And when I go back and forth about that stuff, and he uh, loves Jesus, loves Holy Spirit, um, and his mission is really to to help people help the the church understand uh their faith and to be able to talk intelligently with those that that even doubt bible how many uh, you've been in a conversation and you'd say well the bible says right how many of you have ever been in a conversation and you said uh oh, well the bible says and the person says well i don't even believe the bible and you're like uh well well see you later <laughs> Right? This takes it that, that step further where you can, where you can start to um, defend your faith and believe the validity of the resurrection, believe the validity of, of there being a, an actual God and that we didn't just evolve someplace. So um, it's, it's a great tool to have, not only for you to feel. In fact, there was, there was one time, I'm not going to embarrass them, but there was one time where, um, where a friend of mine here um, was having doubts. And, uh, and I said, hey, let's go. Why don't don't you and I we just we just go and we meet with my friend Tim and him and I went and sat down in Tim's office and he shared all the doubts he had about God and Jesus and everything and Tim just in a gracious way went boom 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 here's all the here's the facts here's the facts and we walked out of that office and he had such a lot more confidence um, in in Bible and, and in his faith so good stuff I would encourage you to come it's gonna be a great time. We are starting a series in Mark. Um, every once in a while, we do, um, uh, do series through books of the Bible, and, and then every once in a while, we'll do more of a topic. And uh, um, I like series through the Bible. It, just, um, it helps us just be more biblically literate. We, we're, we're growing up in a day and age where um, a lot of people just don't know Bible, don't understand and so I, I love whenever we get a chance to do this. I don't know that we're going to be able to go verse by verse through the whole um, book of Mark. Um, I, one, one church I know out in California did 56 weeks in Mark. God bless them, right? <laughs> <laughs> 56 weeks. In, uh, so that, that's cool. We're, we're going to be a little bit south of that. A little bit, little bit south of that. But we're going we're to take some time in Mark and... Um, and so let me let me give you just a little bit of a little bit of background. Um in fact, Mark uh there's there's four gospels, Mark's one of them and uh, I would say we, we probably as Christians tend to go to one of the other gospels. Um, Mark sometimes becomes a, um kind of the uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the black sheep of the family sometimes he's a little, little bit shorter book and uh, and we, we like to go to like john and and you know the john 15 and the secrets of the vine and the deep theology and mark's like hey it happened in three verses and then he moves on and you're like give me some more mark and um but but mark's great and uh, and i want I have figure hey let's pause on mark mark uh, maybe some of you are wondering like who mark was was he like one of the 12 disciples no, no, he wasn't. Um, Mark, if you remember, do you guys remember the story um, in Acts where it was Mark and the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and all of this, and Mark was like was like Paul's intern, and uh, and he was like like fresh out of Bible college or something, right? And he was Paul's intern, and they and then. Paul was, or I'm sorry, Mark was, was a little flaky, and, and, and uh, he, he wasn't like keeping his commitments and stuff, and Paul got, he just kind of got mad. He's like, fine, you're not coming with us on the rest of the journey, and, uh, uh, and Mark's like, what? And Barnabas is like, well, you can come with me, and Barnabas and Paul had disputes and all this stuff, and uh, I, I always kind of think, man, I don't think I'd want to work for Paul, actually. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I'm like, I'll read your works, but we uh, we're not going to work. For, I'm not going to work for you. you know, I'd rather work for Barnabas. Barnabas uh, and and you would too. Barnabas, his name was uh, son of encouragement, and so um, we want to hang around Barnabas, right? No, I, I say it in jest because uh, how many know the Apostle Paul wrote um, half the New Testament? Yeah. So if you write Bible, you're 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 probably a pretty good dude. Um, well, this this intern of Paul's later on. He wrote Bible too. How many you know if you, if you write Bible, we probably should listen to you. And so he wrote Bible. He wrote the book of Mark, and uh, um, and so a lot of us wonder, well, where did where did Mark kind of get his information from? He wasn't one of the twelve disciples, um, but most most scholars would believe that Peter was kind of the main discipler of Mark, and that he would sit down with Peter, the apostle Peter. And hear all of these stories, and so a lot of, as you're reading through Mark, a lot of it, a lot of people think that this is really coming from firsthand experience from Peter, some of these stories, and so it's, it's an interesting, interesting perspective. Um, uh, many believe that Mark was the disciple of Peter and received much of the material given in his gospel from Peter. Um, in 1 Peter 5.13, Peter describes Mark as my son, my son, my son in the faith. Um, there were church fathers. Now, we, when, when we go go uh, past kind of that first century of the church, there was some some church fathers, you know, a few hundred years later, um, if you guys remember, um, uh, most of you probably wouldn't remember these guys, but I'll just tell you their names, Uh, 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 Papias um, and Clement of Alexandria, both of them state that Mark wrote factual and inspired gospel with the help of Peter while Peter was still living. Um, and so, so most scholars, most theologians would say that that Mark heard all of these things from Peter and then and wrote this wrote all of this down. And so, but we know for sure that Mark wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and gave us vibrant and a striking picture of the life of the Messiah Jesus, the servant of the Lord. Um, and so, uh, maybe just a couple more things to help us understand before I dive into uh, a, a few scriptures this morning. Um, one is as you read the book of Mark, um, some people divide it into two parts, um, which would be his uh, his Galilean ministry. See, so, so if you're looking on a map of Israel, let's just use me as a map of Israel. If you're um, Northern Israel, Southern Israel, <laughs> and uh, somewhere somewhere in there, you've got you've got like the Dead Sea in the middle, and all of this, right? Um, so. Galilean ministry would be up here in the top, and uh, Judean ministry would be somewhere down in the bottom. And and so that's so when we look at Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry in Mark, some people divide it into two: his time around the Sea of Galilee and then his time in Judea, and that would be Jerusalem and Judea and all of those places like that. And um, other uh, other people divide it into three parts, which would be his time around the Sea of Galilee and then his journey from Galilee to. Um, Judea, and then, and then Judea. I don't care really how you split it up, but it is um, really looking at the life of Jesus and his ministry. Um, and so you, you do that, and let's look at, uh, just really quick if you guys, if you guys want, um, and even if you don't want, you got the four, the four Gospels, and I just want to show you these real quick, the four different Gospels. The purpose of Matthew was written, do we have that here? No, we don't. Okay, all right, all right. The purpose of Matthew was um, written to the Jews. That was his, 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 his first and foremost audience was he was writing to the Jews. And so Jesus is the promised Messiah um, in Matthew. Uh, the purpose of Mark is he was writing to the Romans. And Jesus, his emphasis was Jesus was the Son of God. The purpose of Luke, he was writing to the Gentiles. Any, how many know Gentiles? any Gentiles in here? Probably all of you. Probably all of you. Uh, Gentile just simply means not Jewish. You're just not a Jew. That's everybody else. And so so Luke wrote to the Gentiles, and his emphasis was that Jesus was a man and not a myth. Luke was a a doctor. He wrote Luke and Acts, and and his whole emphasis was, was, hey, the humanity of Jesus. And we're actually going to look at a little bit of that today. And then John, the Apostle John um, he, uh, he wrote to the, to the Jews and the Gentiles, both, and his whole emphasis was Jesus is God. And so you, when you read all four of these Gospels, you get a complete picture. Now, some people, uh, in fact, skeptics try to find the, you know, well, gosh, this couldn't be right, and this couldn't be right, and, and this isn't in chronological order. And I, and I I like you to know the Gospels weren't written as, uh, necessarily as like biographies. They were written more as apolog, apologetics to, to defend the faith and to, to write to groups of people and say, Jesus really is this. And, and so you don't read it like that. In fact, there's some of the gospels, I think it was Matthew, wasn't even always written in chronological order. And, uh, and so you don't read it like that, but you, you read it to understand Jesus. And, um, and really all of them, all four of them, point to his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, in fact, you, you start off with... Uh, With Mark, and you start wondering things like, um, well, uh, what about (laughs) what about Christmas, (laughs) right? You you open up and and you you read like the first line, and you're like, they skipped a whole section, right? Mark, hello, and you know the other three gospels, two of them uh, take quite a bit of time, and John takes a a little bit of time in kind of his own way, and then Mark just skips the whole thing. You start wondering, well, why did Mark do that? Uh, why not Christmas? And, and, and here's just a, a thought. Christmas is a great story, but Good Friday and Easter change everything. Christmas is a great story, but Good Friday and Easter, man, that changes. That, that's the whole reason. In fact, the Mark starts off the, um, the, you know, the beginning of the good news or the beginning of the gospel. And that really is. Like when he comes on the scene, and you're going to see here in just a minute, like this is the beginning of everything. This is why he came and that's why. Mark simply shows that this is no ordinary man. This is the Son of God, and, and if you're new to Christianity, or, or you, you don't know a lot of Bible, and you're looking for a place to start, Mark's a great place to start. I would always encourage someone to, to, to take the book of Mark, and, um, and especially if you're just starting out, let Mark be that place, that starting place for you. Here's the main thought today. You guys ready? thriving in the wilderness is possible because Jesus did. Thriving in the wilderness and I almost, I was like, like how do I, how do I, like, yeah, I like coming up with the main thought and have everyone, if you only got one thing today, get this, right? I always, always think of the main thought and I was starting to think, well, well, maybe it's like surviving in the wilderness. How do you survive the wilderness, you know? and uh, like, No, 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 that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound encouraging, that doesn't sound exciting. No, we want to, i think jesus thrived in the wilderness and and here and so thriving in the wilderness is possible because jesus did and there's questions even going through your mind right now and 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 we're going to answer some of that this morning we're going to turn um and again i told you we're not going verse by verse but we're going to turn to just a just a small section in mark chapter one starting in verse nine if you're there with me and it's going to be on the screen At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember? Nazareth in Galilee, up in this section. He goes down, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And everybody um, believes, most scholars believe, that it was in the Judean desert, which is, so the the Jordan is just uh, just east of the Judean desert and be down more towards uh, Jerusalem. Um, the traditional spot where Jesus was baptized is uh, just east of Jericho, just east, uh, just kind of northeast of that um, Judean desert, um, and uh, I actually got to go and get baptized in the Jordan River, and, and you, you look over, and you can kind of see Jericho in the distance, and it's interesting because there's a lot of history that happened in that spot. That's the same spot where Elijah would have ascended into heaven. It's the same spot where the children of Israel would have, would have crossed over, you know, the, the Jordan River when it parted in two, and they went over to, to, to take Jericho, and it's also the spot where John did a lot of his baptisms and, and baptized Jesus, and so it was just a, it was a super cool and spiritual and impactful moment for me in in my life and uh, and so that's where Jesus is Um, he came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and just as Jesus was coming out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son with whom I love with you I am well pleased anybody want to hear that Come on. And at once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And when you study that, that verse, the, in the original language, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little more forceful. It's not, you know, hey, why don't you go out into the wilderness? No, it's like the Spirit, like, drug him, like, like, forcefully took him. The Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness. It's encouraging for me to know that this was the Spirit's idea, that the Holy Spirit led him there. I think there's sometimes where we find ourselves in a wilderness place and we're wondering what's going on. Sometimes it's your own making. Sometimes it's the devil. And sometimes Holy Spirit leads us to that place. And we're going to see some of that today. Verse 13, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. Um, I think another thing to understand here um, is that uh, when we start to, in a little bit, when we talk about the temptation of Jesus, he was tempted by Satan. And there's some of us in here when 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 we're going through um, things, we're like, "Well, it was Satan." Or in fact, there was there was a, a man that was famous for saying, "Well, the devil made me do it." You know. And we talk about that. I just want I, I want to debunk something really quick here. Um, it, you, it may or may not matter to you, but Satan is not omnipresent. In other words, he's not, Satan is not everywhere at once. Satan is only one place in this world right now. And you ask me where he is? I don't know. <laughs> I know some places where he was in the Bible. I know, uh, I think it was Pergamum in, in Revelation that that was where Satan's throne was. And so there was a place, at least in the Bible, where Satan literally had a throne. That was where he was. And, and, but Satan's not omnipresent. And so I don't care what you, how you say it, you might say it was the devil, whatever you might say, but I would question you and say, have you done anything recently that would, that would cause Satan himself to take notice? Jesus evidently did. <laughs> because Jesus was tempted by Satan himself in the wilderness. Um, we, uh, we, a lot of our... Um, spiritual warfare would be by uh, Satan's staff, his, his demons, and the principalities and all of those things, but um, I would probably say Satan is Satan is somewhere in this world probably, uh, probably one of the darkest places causing havoc, and uh, we don't know exactly where he is, but he's not omnipresent. It's good to know. It's good to know who you're, when you're praying, and when you're, when you're involved in spiritual warfare, and you're declaring, like, what are you actually fighting against? Um, some of us think it's Satan himself, and I'm like, ah, I would probably say it's not Satan himself. Jesus had an encounter with Satan himself, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. The, his baptism, and in a minute, we're going to go to Matthew because Matthew gives us a little bit bigger picture. Luke gives us a little bit bigger picture of what happened. But, um, but we're, we're, it's right here in, in Mark when we talk about his baptism. It is significant that Jesus got baptized. In fact, some people wondered, well, why, why are you getting baptized, Jesus? What do you need to get baptized for, Jesus? And in fact, John had the same thought. Like, Jesus, you should be baptizing me. Anybody thinking that? There was another place in Scripture where, where uh, you know, uh, Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet, and Peter's like, no, no, we should be washing your feet. And, and I mean, like, sometimes there, there was this little bit of confusion. Like, you're the Son of God. You are, you are God. And why are you going through all of this? And I wanted to explain that just a little bit for us this morning. It is significant about the baptism because Jesus identifies with us in our sin through baptism. He does. Uh, He was sinless. But he identifies with us in our sin and baptism. The purpose was for Jesus to completely identify himself with sinful man. And it's exactly what he did. He did that in his birth. He identified with us as a man in his birth, his upbringing, and then finally in his death. And so here... Jesus stood in the place of sinful man and it wouldn't be until the cross you remember the verse in the bible where it says he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God that happened at the cross but here Jesus is is saying hey hey I'm recognizing that all of the sin of the world is going to be on me and I'm identifying with you as a human. I'm identifying as the son of God and I am being obedient to this. In fact, one place says to fulfill all righteousness and he gets baptized. It's, it's, it's huge for us to understand this and we're gonna, we're gonna see that even more in just a minute. In baptism, he confessed as his own sins which he had not committed and repented of them before God. Philippians chapter two is an interesting place that that you can go to when you have time because this this kind of gives us a picture of what happened here because how many how many believe that um you know you know we'll say something like hey you can do it because jesus did it and your thoughts going to be to me well he's jesus right in fact a lot of people are like that man well man jesus did it and or he'll say something like, like, you know, I command you to do this, and it'll be like an impossible thing. We're like, Jesus, come on, that's impossible. And, and it's like, well, I did it. Jesus did it. Here's the thing that we have to understand. This is a huge theological point that all of us have to understand, and it's going to change your walk with God. If you don't know it, now you'll know it, is that Jesus became Man. He, he was 100% God and 100% man. He, he, he never stopped being God while he was on earth, but he pushed pause on his ability to function as God while he was here. Why? Because he had to be a perfect example for us. It's like, if I can do it, you can do it. If I can resist it. You know the only difference is that he wasn't born with a sin nature. He had the ability. He had every temptation. In fact, uh, was it it Hebrews 4 that says that that he was tempted in every way just as we are? We're gonna talk about the wilderness and there's there's three main temptations that happen in the wilderness. But Luke says that Jesus was tempted the whole 40 days. Man, we got three main ones that we're gonna talk about. But man, he was tempted in every way, yet was what? Without sin. And he did that for you and for me to say, hey, it's possible. Victory is possible. And we're gonna find out how Jesus did that in a minute, but I want you to know it wasn't because he was God. It was because he was a man connected to God. He pushed pause on his ability to function as God while he was here on earth. I love the quote by Bill Johnson out of Redding, California. And and he says this. He says, Man, if Jesus did miracles as as God, I'm impressed. If he did miracles as a man connected to God, I'm compelled to follow him. That's huge. That means Jesus is saying, if I can do it, you can do it. Here's part of the way as we start to unpack this scripture. In Philippians 2, uh, if you want to look at that later, you start to see this is where Jesus, uh, the, the, Paul's talking about Jesus in Philippians, and it says that, that he, he did not see equality with God something to be grasped. And in other words, that's where he pushed pause on his ability to function as God and fully function as a man, and, and as a man humbled himself, and even to death on a cross. Y'all Ready? feel like I'm supposed to say, y'all ready for this? And then, dun, dun, dun. All right. all right. That was terrible. Matthew 4, starting verse 1. This is Matthew's account of what happened in like three verses in Mark. Matthew chapter 4, starting verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I think that's interesting to me that he was, the purpose was, that, that the Spirit led him into the desert. Now, now the, God didn't tempt. We know that in multiple places in Scripture that God's not going to tempt you. But there are times when God puts you in a place and then, and then says, all right, how are you going to step up in this situation? What, what's going to happen? What, what, whose strength are you going to rely on, yours or mine? It's called a test. It's called a test. So Jesus was led by the Spirit right after his baptism into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days, we just came out of 21 days, this was 40, and this was no food at all and and likely only water. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the author felt like he needed to say he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him. Luke, Luke tells us that the tempter was there the whole time. The tempter came and said this. He said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And said it again. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. Now notice what the devil says. It's like the devil starts quoting scripture at him. It says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Anyone know where that that verse comes from? Psalm 91 the devil quotes the, the chapter par excellence on the protection of God to Jesus. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the, your God to the test. And Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. If what? If you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. I'm going to talk about a few things in here for a minute. This is a deep and wise passage. We're not going to be able to get to everything. But I give you enough to learn how to thrive in the wilderness. Anyone want to thrive in the wilderness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the hands go up. It's, it's crazy in here. So what happened in the wilderness? There's a couple things to understand as we read, read that passage. What happened in the wilderness? One, Jesus was challenged by isolation in the wilderness. Any of you ever felt isolated? Any of you ever felt alone? A lot of times um, depression will do that. Well you're, well, you're, instead of reaching out, you'll, you'll isolate. Um, Jesus was challenged by getting away from everybody else and he was challenged by isolation in the wilderness. The good news is he was not alone in the wilderness. Sometimes you think you're alone. Sometimes you think you're alone, but the truth is you're not. And, and I, I would, I'd love for you to understand there may be seasons where, where you're feeling lonely. There may be seasons where you are actually lonely. And this is where you have to pull on that relationship with the Lord, and Jesus was led into the wilderness. He wasn't alone, but he was challenged with isolation. Jesus was challenged by lack of physical strength. How many know if you don't eat, you don't have normal strength? 40 days of no food in the wilderness without proper shelter, and he was challenged by physical strength. Man, if any of you know that that, that we're we're body soul and spirit we are connected your physical body and your soul and your spirit's all interconnected how many know if you are at the end of your ropes physically it's going to affect your emotions and it's going to start to affect you spiritually jesus was challenged with that he was challenged by lack of physical strength jesus was challenged in his identity in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting? He just got baptized and the Spirit descended on him and the Father says, You're my son, and I'm well pleased with you. And then boom, in the wilderness, and the devil's like, Well, if you really are. You know that that's 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 how the whole story of the Bible starts, right? What? With doubt and unbelief? With the Satan where Satan comes to Eve and says, Did God really say? And he's been trying that same trick for Centuries and centuries and centuries. So Jesus was challenged in his identity. Jesus was tempted in the area of provision. He, he goes into the wilderness and Satan says, man, if, you, if you're really the son of God, make these stones turn into bread. And, and uh, he was challenged in the area of provision he was tempted in the area of provision um, I, I'd like to submit to you that provision isn't just finances in fact there may be some of you in this room that you're in a season in your life where you're not worrying about money and you're not worrying about finances and I'm like man praise God that's awesome what else are you not trusting God with? what else? right? right? I think in the area of provision that um, you could even put things like lust in there. You know, what, are we, what are we not trusting God? What needs, what physical needs do you have? What, what other types of needs? You could put financial, you could put uh, emotional. You could, what, what kind of needs are in your life that you're wanting God to provide that instead of you're taking matters into your own hands and you're figuring out another way for, to be, for that to be provided for? And Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And one of the main ways he was tempted was in the area of provision. Are are you going to do this? Or are you going to let God do this? Are you going to trust him even now? I ask you again, you don't have to answer me, but what areas in your life, what needs in your life is it hard for you to trust God in? You know, he says in his word that he will meet all of our needs according to what? His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I think there's even times when he meets our need and we're like, well, that wasn't what I was praying for. <laughs> Come on. The God of the universe is like, I'm going to do this for you. And you're like, wait, wait, I was, praying for, I was praying for something else. And he's like, but no, my promise was I was going to meet your needs. Sometimes you don't even know what your needs are. Sometimes you think your wants are your needs. He's like, no, I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to meet your need according to my glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So Jesus was tempted in the area of provision. Jesus was tempted in the area of protection. He was taken up to the, I think it was the top of the temple, is that right? And just throw yourself down. Do like a swan dive right here. He did a Peter Pan right off the edge of this dam right here. Go with that. Yeah. he's gonna, he's, he's gonna challenge you in the area of protection. Are you, gonna, are you gonna throw yourself off and save yourself, Jesus? Or are you gonna say, no? No, wait a minute. No, my protection comes from the Father. And that that's one area. That's one area for a lot of people that want to f- feel secure, want to feel protected. Um, that's where a lot of times the area of fear and anxiety will come up and, and you know, feeling, feeling those feelings of, of insecurity and those feelings of, of just not, not being protected. And, and man, how many know that it's in those times when we have to remember his word that, that uh, man, that he is a strong tower and the righteous run to him and are safe. I mean, that's where that Psalm 91 classic protection passage. I'd write that down. I'd go to it like every other day if you have to, right? The devil knew it. That's why the devil quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus to try to tempt him. Come on. That makes me angry. Jesus was tempted in the area of power. It's interesting. These three areas, I think that they're like, they're like the the, the, main, the main headings and there's all kinds of other temptations that, that flow from these three. Um, he's tempted in the area of power. I think you could throw pride. I think you can throw um, um, status and reputation and um, material wealth and all of this stuff where you're just like, where not, not material wealth for the, in the area of provision but material wealth in the area of status and, and, and how you think about yourself and how you want other people to think about you and all of this. And that power. Power. And Satan takes him to the tallest mountain and says, I could give you all of this. And he could because it was his at that time. So he was tempted in that. And then I, I asked the question here, how did Jesus walk in victory and thrive in the wilderness? How did Jesus walk in victory and thrive in the wilderness. And I'm going to submit to you, man, if Jesus did it, so can you, and so can I. How did Jesus walk in victory and thrive in the wilderness? And we start to get a clue here. We start to, as you're playing investigator here in Scripture, and you're like, well, how did this happen? You start to get a little bit of a clue. When Jesus responds to Satan with statements like, it is written, right? You start to get it, you start to get it. So is just knowing Bible the answer? It's a trick question. Is just knowing Bible the answer? Man, Satan knew Bible. I would propose that knowing Bible is a crucial pl- piece of the puzzle, but not the starting point. And I, you wanted to hang with me before you start calling me a heretic? Just for a minute. I would propose that man knowing Bible is a, it, it's a piece. You, you you can't ignore it. I just think I just think that it's not the starting place. After high school, I worked at an eyeglass place. Um, it was in this place called Nationwide Vision Center in Arizona, and uh, I was back in kind of the assembly line where you take these big blocks of whatever the the your eyeglasses are made out of, whatever material, and there's all kinds of different materials, and and you would take this block and you would. Put it into a machine and lock it in, and um, and then you would type in whatever the prescription is, and it'd go in, and it would, you know, whatever, and then it would come out, and then and then you take it to the next station, and and there might be a station where it's like polished, or another station, whatever, and and then there's another station where it goes in this thing, and then and then somehow the computer knows, and it takes like a cutting tool and like carves it out to fit whatever lens or whatever uh, um, frames. Um, that you have there. And it was an interesting thing. That's what I did um, uh, right after high school. And uh, there was, a, there was a great opportunities at that place to um, share the gospel with people and all of this. Well, one of the, one of the people, um, he was just a hard case. And, and he never, n- never got saved, to my knowledge. Um, and, uh, but planted lots of seeds. And who knows where he's at today, right? Planted lots of seeds. But I remember this guy, he knew Bible. In fact, I was challenged because this guy knew Bible like, as good, probably better than me. I was like 20 years old. And I was like, "No, no like, I'd, I'd be quoting scripture, and you're like, yeah, well, the Bible says this. Boom, And, he, and he's like, like, he knew it. And he wasn't saved. He, he knew it as a textbook. He didn't have a relationship with God. And it reminded me of this place. Satan knows Bible. Satan knows Bible. It's not enough to just know Bible. It's not enough to just have a bunch of head knowledge up here. Someone said that the longest distance in the world is from your head to your heart. Those however many inches people quote, 18? It's not enough to just know Bible. Mark chapter one, in verse nine, we go back to the same passage that we said at the beginning. Watch this again. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And I don't know. Multiple places, multiple translations say that that it was Jesus that saw it. We don't know. um, In the Gospel of John, it, it, it quotes John the Baptist, who's different than the Apostle John. And John the Baptist evidently saw the Spirit descending like a dove, and so I, we don't know. Was it was it everybody that could see this, or was it just Jesus and maybe the, the uh, John the Baptist? I don't know. But Jesus at least saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Again, interesting that um, it wasn't a dove that descended on him. We got lots of pictures of doves, and thinking our even in our logo, there's a dove on there. And, But it wasn't necessarily a dove, but it it descended something like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son with whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended to him. I want us to bring us back to that place. Again, how did Jesus walk in victory and thrive in the wilderness? Well, first, I think it's significant that he was baptized right before this wilderness encounter. This whole thing that happened with Jesus at the baptism, I think this is huge, and let me tell you why. First of all, at the baptism, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. How many know that, man, we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? I I believe this, and I believe there's good, good scripture and theology that'll, that'll back this up, is that, is that you, you absolutely get Holy Spirit at salvation. Absolutely. He, he's, he's one of, of the three parts of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, you get him at, sal- at salvation, but there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit that comes, that empowers you to not only do all—I I used to call all the whiz bang God candy stuff, all the incredible stuff. Not only that, but it empowers you to live righteously. It empowers you to live a holy life. Like you can't do this thing without Him. Try it, it uh, like Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This was this was His moment. This is where Jesus. Submitted himself to baptism, and then the Holy Spirit came on him in empowerment. And it was this and the and the temptation in the wilderness that set him up for his earthly ministry. What else? He knew who he was and whose he was. This was another part of how he thrived in the wilderness. Jesus knew who he was and whose he was. The, the voice came from heaven, you're my son. Man, that's powerful. You're my son. Can I tell you, man, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, if you, if you say, say, pastor, man, I'm going to heaven, I, I'm following Jesus, do you know the Bible says that you're a child of God? In fact, Romans says you are co-heirs with Christ, like you don't, it, it would make sense if you're like, "Hey, Jesus gets a little bit more than you, but you're kind of right up there." That would that would make sense. It's just it's not how God did it. For some reason, in God's wisdom, He says He says Jesus is my firstborn. Which, man, in that culture, the firstborn got it all. I love being the firstborn. I could tell my brother and sister, "Sorry, I, I didn't, I didn't plan it this way." But not with, not with God. With God, he looks at his firstborn and he says, hey, everybody else, if you call yourself a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus, if he's Lord of your life, you get to be co-heirs. You get to have everything Jesus gets, you get. I love it. It's true, even if you don't feel it right now. Knock that lie off. You are co-heirs. Co-heirs with Jesus. He knew who he was and he knew whose he was. I I like uh and, and that's what Jesus God the father says you're my son. That next part, he knew the love of the father. Jesus knew the love of the father. You're my son with whom I'm well pleased. Whom I I love. Oh man. That's powerful. Man, if you if you're walking in the love of the father, you know that first John says that if you that his perfect love drives out what? Fear. Like, in other words, love and fear can't be in the same place. And so if there's times where you experience fear and anxiety and stress and all that stuff, that also just means that you're not walking in the love of the Father in that moment. i, mean, I raise my hand to that. There's, there's times. There's times. It's a reminder. When you're experiencing anxiety, it's a reminder that says, oh, wait a minute. Wait, I'm not experiencing His love. Here's the question that you say during that time. You say, Father, how much do you love me? You reset. You get yourself back in that place. Father, how much do you love me? Jesus knew the love of the Father. He went into the wilderness knowing the love of the Father. I think I already said this one, but watch. He knew the pleasure of the Father. And these things... These things are going to set you up for thriving in the wilderness. He knew the pleasure of the Father. He was in the wilderness and had experienced the pleasure of the Father. He had that to fall back on. How do we know he he experienced the pleasure of the Father? With whom I'm well pleased. Do you know this? You know that you could be right standing before God and not be in right relationship? Man. There's many times where you, you, man, you gave your heart to the Lord, and for some reason you got off track, and you're not in right relationship. You're right standing, but not in right, you got a legal relationship with God. You haven't lost your identity as a son and daughter, but man, you're not in right relationship. And he's like, hey, hey, get, let's get back into right relationship. I mean, some of you are having a hard time in the wilderness because you're not in right relationship. He's like, Can you move, let's 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 move back over. I'm not the one that moved. You moved. Would you move back into right relationship? I I quoted that scripture this morning. What if you confess your sins? He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to purify you of all unrighteousness. There's a huge place of confession, and it brings you back into that, right? Man, he loves you. Nothing's, nothing's taken away his love. Man, he, he, he adores you. He honors you. He loves you. But there's a gap, and it's not because he moved. It's because you moved. And he says, I, man, I set this up so that you could just like that get back in, get back in right relationship with me. And you quote that verse. Man, Jesus knew the pleasure of the Father. And then, because I don't want people to run me out of this church. He knew the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. And he absolutely knew the Word of God. Here's my question. How did Jesus know the Word of God? Is it because he was God? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because he pushed pause on his ability to function as God while he was here. He could have at any moment picked that up and he, he chose, man, no, I want to set an example for, for everybody. Anything I, I, I can do, I want them to be able to do. And so he didn't know the word of God because he was God. He knew the word of God because he read it. He knew the word of God because he studied it. He knew the word of God because he spent time in it. You remember when he was 12, where'd they find him? He was in the temple just learning Bible. But do you want to know a bigger deal? He knew the Word of God because he spent time with the author. John chapter 1 says the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, God the Son is also the Word of God. And while he was a human being on this earth, he didn't function as the Word. He functioned as a man who needed to understand the Word, that needed to go deep in the Word. He functioned as a man that spent time with the author. And now we... With the example of Jesus, we get to study the Word. We get to memorize the Word. We get to spend time in the Word. But more importantly, would you spend time with the author? Oh, man. There's times when I put down the Bible and I spend time with the Bible. Do you get it? There's times where I put down the written word and I just spend time with the living word. You know, another thing, there's times when I read the written word and then there's other times when I'm spending time with the living word and it jumps off the page and changes my life. And changes your life. I hope that helps, guys. How do you thrive in the wilderness? You do it the way Jesus did it. You do it the way Jesus did it. Pastor Kelly and your team can come. Some of you wonder, maybe, maybe, maybe you're just starting out or you're just, you've been doing this a while but you just never had the right tools. You're like, how do, how do, what would be a starting place for me? I would say this, in our church, there's a couple resources that you have. First of all, Instay. There's a place, thing called Instay. It might even be in your bulletin. If, you, if it's not there, you can talk to me or talk to Leslie In March, there's an in-state class. It costs just a little bit of money. I don't know, was it like 90 bucks or something like that, 90 bucks? And, and it's 13 weeks and then a final and you're just gonna study Bible. You're just gonna get to know Bible. Jesus did it. I encourage you to do it. Just study Bible. Another another resource would be one of our connect groups where you spend time with people around the word of God and, and around uh, different resources like that. Can we stand this morning?